Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful souls? Thank you for tuning in into another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Really appreciate you guys stopping by for another episode. How you doing today, my love? I'm good. How are you? I can't complain. So, um, what's today's topic? Um, we have a topic called the bonnet debate. Hmm. But before that, I wanted to get into our news topic. Okay. Um, A mother was accused of forcing an adopted daughter into surgery treatments. This woman was from Washington State and forced her adopted six-year-old to undergo numerous unnecessary surgeries, more than 470 medical treatments. Mm. Sophie Hartman, 31, had her adopted daughter wear leg braces and go under the knife for surgeries to install a feeding tube and a tube to flush out the child's intestines. Hartman is now facing second-degree charges of assault of a child and attempted assault of a child in a case that medical experts are calling medical child abuse. I think this is a case of um, Munchausen by proxy, which is a mental health problem in which a caregiver makes up or causes an illness or an injury in a person under his or her care. Hmm. I didn't know it was a definition for that. I just thought she was really sick in the head um well i think the people that do those things are sick in the head but they have a word for it Mm. which is munchausen by proxy that's terrible that's terrible see that's why i have a problem with um certain people adopting children from like africa you know what i mean like i understand there's a need there but um, it usually doesn't turn out right. Yeah, or I guess from a cultural aspect. I'm not saying that people don't deserve to adopt people or people don't deserve to be adopted. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to interracial adoption, you really have to like plan certain scenarios so that you're raising the child within their culture, exposing them to their culture, mm-hmm. because I think that there would be an issue with identity and there's kind of like a savior complex behind it too, right? I guess so. Mm. I mean, I guess it depends on the person. Mm. Yeah. Mm. My mom told me a story once where she had a friend who was adopted um, by a different race, but she didn't know that we needed to put lotion on. So she thought she had a skin condition, <laughs> but she was never taught that she needed to like lather her skin she so that it wouldn't ashy. be. She was <laughs> excessively ashy, but she thought she had a skin condition. <laughs> That's what hurt. She was raised to believe. Or even, like, learning how to do black hair. Yeah. You know? Stuff like that is is important for our identity. Or deeper than that, just in terms of black people being haunted by cops. Yeah. How do you... Have that conversation. How do you have that conversation? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. So the bonnet thing, like, what's what's the whole 
rigmarole around the bonnet? Well, um, I briefly, I kind of only heard like one sentence and then scanned through the uproar of um, Monique's comment about black women respecting themselves or conducting themselves a certain way in public. I think Monique, we're talking about the uh, comedian, the Monique comedian Ray. Monique. Okay. And um, basically she was just saying that you, the, the things that you wear in the house shouldn't be worn outside hmm. and that she should kind of represent yourself accordingly in public. I could see that. Um, I think what she was saying was valid because I do believe if you're going somewhere that you look your very best or mm. look, you know, a certain way to feel confident about yourself. But I think that a lot of people were analyzing her comment based off of the white gaze. Mm. But what if you're like just going down to the corner store or a bodega or the grocery store? Like, what if I just want to throw on some sweats? Should yeah. I just throw a whole three-piece suit on just to go shopping? Exactly. That's what I'm saying because I also feel like why should it matter? Mm-hmm. Or is respectability determined by appearance or characteristics? Mm. And who are we looking presentable for? Is it so that we're not judged by a certain demographic? Because mm. I think in our culture we all know why people wear bonnets or you know why you choose to wear a certain outfit or yeah. wearing a wifey beater outside i hate to call it that but that the tank white tank top. top yeah i've uh heard a story i think like earlier this year of um before the pandemic of schools um banning parents from walking into school with their bonnets on which makes sense like why would you want to go to your child's school with a a bonnet. <laughs> yeah, no. Certain places of employment ban that. Of course, it's like it's it's nightwear technically. It is. It's just so, like wearing a um um a do rag or something out to your job. You can't do that. Or pajamas. But right. uh, on the flip side, like you remember those films in the fifties where you would have like the mom, the white mom, you know, housewife going to the grocery store. She has like curlers in her head with a mm-hmm. little scarf. Mm-hmm. What is the difference? Mm. Mm. And that technically is acceptable because you know, oh, she just has curlers because she's going to have her hair, you know, a certain way at a certain time. Yeah. Or looking forward to the day. But it's the same kind of context, I feel. Anyway, but that's what the debate was about where a lot of people were judging Monique's comment saying, who are you to say that about what we should and shouldn't do? I think that was kind of similar to um, Bill Cosby telling black boys to pull their pants up. (laughs) You know, outside looking in, it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Because we're going out in the world, presenting ourselves in a certain aspect, you know, and we all know that there are certain stereotypes that's put on us or we create and it just gets like, it, it starts from a small fire into like a, a big flame like definitely i think though why there was a lot of backlash with that comment is because this generation doesn't give a fuck about what anybody says right so if you want to wear blue hair you'll wear it you know if your nails are extended to past maybe three inches you can do that 
if you want to wear a bikini mm. <laughs> to the grocery store, you know, you should be able to do that. But like you said, a lot of those more traditional views or comments about how you present yourself are based off of the fact that we don't want to be judged or looked at a certain way mm -hmm. in society. Mm -hmm. That's why I wanted to bring up the topic of the bonnet debate and the white gaze. Have you ever went outside with your bonnet on? Um, I haven't, but I've worn head wraps. And I don't know if that's any different. I don't different. think that's the same thing. Yeah, so yeah. I've covered my hair, yes, but I mm. haven't physically gone out to wear a bonnet. Mm. Have you ever went to the grocery store with PJs on? No. Mm. I haven't. Have I gone out looking a hot mess? Yes, I have. <laughs> I think we all have, yeah. <laughs> So, what do you think? Bonnet or no bonnet? I mean, it doesn't really affect me, but I can see, I can see both sides of it. You me know, too, yeah. some people just, I'm going out real quick. Um, maybe they just ha had their hair done or just wrapped their hair or whatever. I don't, I don't know what women do with their hair nowadays. There's so many different styles yeah. and techniques. And, you know, maybe, maybe they want to protect, you know, whatever they just done to their head i would say because when i think my bad when i yeah. think about it not to cut you off when i think about it when go guys go outside with their do-rags on it's just to like maintain their ways or maintain like if i get my hair freshly twisted i want to keep it fresh for a longer period of time so i will wear my do-rag um but there could be a conversation about take your hoodie off mm-hmm um, but what I was going to say was I think that the old, maybe 10 years ago, me would say no bonnet. But as I kind of have grown into my own, I've realized that there's certain things that we are doing for somebody's gaze. Mm -hmm. Like we're not specifically doing it because, you know, of course we want to present ourselves, but there could be one day where I'm in a rush and I have, a you know, mm -hmm. my hair is jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> But I think um, most of our decisions in this society, unfortunately, are based off of the white gaze. Mm. Like, I'm not going to use African-American vernacular language at work. Mm. But I can very easily do that at home. What bothers me about the quote unquote white gaze is that um, there was an argument on um, the way black men dress. You know, with the pants down or the baggy clothes or you dress too hood. But back when black men were wearing was wearing suits and ties and, and bow ties, we were still going through the same, you know, struggles and, and opposition. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter what we wear or how we present ourselves. We're always going to have negative um, thoughts and connotations towards us. Definitely. I think regardless of what we decide, we're still going to be looked at in a certain way. Mm -hmm. The same as if you comply with what the police are telling you. Who knows? They're going to still treat you the same way. Mm -hmm. um, but we have been saying the white gaze over 20 times now without a definition. So mm -hmm. I wanted to share what that means. The white gaze is the assumption that the default reader or observer is coming from a perspective of someone who identifies as white. Or that people of color sometimes feel the need to take into account the white reader or observer or the observer's reaction. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so yeah, there's there's just a lot of policing of blackness due to the white gaze. Um, are our decisions and choices based on self or the assumption that we must conform to the approval of the white gaze? I think it's a little bit of both. Wasn't there an instance where um, in the early uh, maybe 1800s, 1900s, black women would have to cover their hair out in public? So they will wear head wraps and this, that, and the third because um, I guess their hair took the attention off of like white women or something like that. Um, I've heard that before as well. Um, but even the fact that you have to cut your hair or make it as, like we said in a previous, as invisible as possible in mm-hmm. a previous podcast. Um when pursuing a certain job. I know just recently, I guess, uh, the military changed their laws about hair. But mm. prior to that, um, you know, you had to have a clean cut, clean shave, something simple slip back. When I was in school, actually in Africa, we couldn't have braids. Mm. We couldn't have cornrows. Um, we couldn't have our hair out. Mm. But you could permit. So, like, some people would braid it, but they like, certain styles... They would, even if it was the way that they wanted it, was an issue if it was braided. Mm. But you definitely couldn't have like an afro out. You couldn't have like a puffball. Nothing that would visibly show your... <laughs> your blackness. Your blackness. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the black girls had like perms. But at the end of the day, you know, you could possibly get in trouble. Because, you know, when you're running and you're a kid, mm. your puffball is going to like... You know, with sweat or whatever, it's gonna take its course. So that was quite interesting. But yeah, I think I agree with you that you know most of our decisions are based off of the white gaze, and ra- rather than like what we personally choose to do with ourselves. And why do we? Why do we have to be socially accepted, even within our own people? That's a good question. I think. Historically, as humans, humans judge. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's easier not to be judged than to be your true, authentic self. Mm. If I had my way, my whole t- body would be tattooed and I have tons of piercings. Mm. But I don't have them. <laughs> because that could compromise my employment opportunities. Mm. I could see that. If I had my way, I would um, get fake abs. Yeah. But why don't you get them? You know, and if people pointing out your fake ass. Yeah, like I'll get liposuction and then. If you get a good doctor, they probably wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah. A lot of rappers got lipo abs. I believe it. Yeah. And fake hair, too. Mm hmm. And fake teeth. Yeah. (laughs) Everything's fake. So I wanted to go back to my other question Um, Is respectability determined by appearance or characteristics? Like, when you look somebody, what is your idea of somebody that's respectable? I would say both. I would say both. First, oh, excuse me, it starts with appearance. And once you have a conversation with that person, um, character increases that. 
you know we all start with appearance first like when we're going out to a club or a bar or something and we might want to um find you know uh, a significant other spouse or whatever or just to go out on a date it starts from um for me it starts from like um looks first right Mm -hmm. and then you have a conversation with that person you figure out if the person is 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 nice or 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 not so maybe that's what monique was saying Hmm. and it took it got taken out of proportion Mm -hmm. with people's assumptions of what she was saying i think she was saying what you were saying Mm -hmm. but the context of how she delivered what she was saying may have offended people or hit a sensitive part of somebody because i think also because black people are so judged often Mm -hmm. you know we can take sensitivity in many different ways um i do feel that it's kind of sad that we choose um, appearance first before character because um, I think of homeless people where they could be some of the most intelligent and most valuable people to speak with because they have such wise information or they have a background that we wouldn't even know because we looked at them and decided well he's a bum you know or don't even look at him at all exactly so i mean sometimes appearance hinders our ability to accept characteristics Mm. that's deep yeah that's deep deep. yeah go ahead i was just about to say well it just seems like the older you get the more you hate what young people do that's true. And I don't think it's hate because for me, I think this generation or like my brother's generation, who's a little bit under me by 11 years, um, because they don't give a fuck mm. about a lot of things, um, there's a positivity in that because they're an age that is accepting almost everything. Mm. Like who you are is who you are, and that's fine. So if you choose to dress a certain way, if you choose to... Um, identify yourself Mm -hmm. as a specific pronoun Mm -hmm. it's okay you know anything goes (laughs) and i think it's difficult for people um maybe a little bit before us because i think that we're we were still on the cusp of you know the latter yeah i remember when uh i was younger um being gay or lesbian or you know whatever sexual orientation that wasn't deemed as normal was still taboo and and negative. Yeah, but it was also, um, there was also a lot of slut shaming and body shaming occurring Mm -hmm. at that time. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, you're a little bit chubby or like, you know, if you choose to freely express yourself through clothing, um, Mm -hmm. that was judgmental. Um, I guess your choice of employment yeah, because I know that nowadays there are several strippers who are proud to be strippers. Yeah, where before it was, you know, kind of like an underground. You know, I don't really speak about my, <laughs> my, my nightlife. Yeah, yeah. But you know, anything goes now. Is that a good thing, though? Is it is it positive? Is is it progressive? Um, I've, then I'm not quite sure what progressive means. Progressive as in in the context of what? As in the context of 
Um, it, I want to say, it makes life easier for everyone. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Let me look up the definition. No, I kind of know what progressive means. It means moving forward. Yeah. But in your context, I, I understood the question, but I don't know. I feel like it's okay. The only problem is the way our society runs has not changed that much. Mm. So then it kind of conflicts with the progression. So we're moving forward as being an accepting group of people, but we still have rules and regulations that police the freedom. Mm. It says a person advocating or Mm. implementing social reform or new liberal ideas. Mm. I mean, that's, I think it's, it's positive, you know, it's positive, um, but it's positive, but it's quick. Like I think, so we've had a lot of conversations about certain things and our misunderstanding of those things. Like, I think that we're accepting of everything, but without understanding. Mm. So if a person chooses to, I don't know, let's say we once lived in a society where uh, marijuana was drugs, for Mm. example. I'm just making an example. But now that everybody's doing it, like, And still the society is like, you know, on the fence about who can do it or who can sell it and things like that. It's like, how do you. How do you mend that? Especially the countless of people. There's people still in prison for it. So it's like, how do you. Exactly. Or um, even I don't know. That was a bad example. I mean, it was still in the context of what we're talking about but we are accepting of things without understanding the meaning of what they are Mm -hmm. so and and then then it comes to the question of when do we start to body shame or shame people who choose to do sex work Mm -hmm. you know like when like how did it become negative now it's positive but like why is it positive yeah and why was it negative prior to that and there's so many different terms and definitions that I never heard of that's just constantly coming out pansexual, asexual. I mean, that's it's great, you know, whatever floats your boat, you know, is none of my business. It's just hard to keep up and figure out what's really going on. Right. And I think that it would be a respectful thing for society to acknowledge certain things that we know as a community but Mm. on a broader scale there's no recognition and I guess that's why people become activists and (laughs) fight for rights and you know kind of have civil rights movements for certain things but I it's not that I can't keep up but Do we need structure in a society or do we not? Depends on what the structure is, though, right? I don't, that's what I'm like. Our, the structure of how this country is built kind of denies and does not accept 
the the freeing or the freedom that people are obtaining within Mm -hmm. themselves so it's like okay we all are moving towards being free people but the country is not allowing that freedom I think this country gives us the illusion of freedom when we really don't have freedom at all. That's what I'm trying to say. America is a cult. It's a religion. Expand? The American flag. Think of the American flag like the cross or something in Christianity. Yeah. You know, people worship this flag they in in grade school they teach you how to um fold the flag you have to put your hand over your heart and pledge allegiance to this flag you know say your little chants and your little sayings to this flag and then they give you illusion of freedom when you're not really free because they give you the doctrine on what you need to learn in this country from grade school all the way up to higher education so they're teaching you curriculums that they create that we don't create that they create not basic life skills like how to plant how to farm how to do your taxes how to um, get certain loans for land and this that and the third like they don't give you basic life skills they just indoctrinate you and it's not just through the education system. It's through the media. It's through movies. It's through um, sports. Everything. You know what I mean? Like back in the early 2000s, early 90s, um, football, the NFL didn't promote um, um, the army. You know, they didn't have any connections with the army. They didn't even do um the national, I think they they didn't do the national anthem, if if I'm not mistaken. But all of a sudden, when people start going stop and listening, uh, and listening to the army, that's when the army said, oh, you know what? Let's give the NFL some money and let's just have a big ass commercial every time they play football. Let's put the American flag uh, plastered on all these different teams. Let's give these jerseys that have army fatigue. Um, and make the football players wear yeah I th- that's see you basically explained what i was trying to say where it's like we have so many symbolisms in this country mm. everybody follows but doesn't know what it means yeah it's subliminal it's subliminal we have been indoctrinated indoctrinated to believe that america is a religion it's a cult it's a lifestyle it's it's who we are when it's really not we are individuals we're not even though we live on this land we're not of our what am i trying to say our ideals our 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 personal beliefs are everything that makes us individuals um is covered by the doctrine and, and, and the systems that they put in place so we don't really have any individuality. And whenever we think we have individuality, um, it's structured in a way where they promote certain things and puppeteer certain things to make us think 
that things are getting progressive, but they're moving us in such a way, whichever way they want. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you got a dog on a treadmill. The dog doesn't want to run on the treadmill, but you have a stake on the end of the stick and the dog sees the stake. So the dog is going to keep running and running and running after the stake, but he'll never get it. So we're constantly making this machine go because they're showing us the stake. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think what I got from that is that we're distracted from the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. So black American culture has always stood below the scrutinizing eyes of white supremacy. We talked about ontological expansiveness. Um, and now the white gaze. Do we use the white gaze as a form of empowerment subconsciously to determine um, if something is worthy, wrong, or right to partake in? I think so. Yeah. I think so. What do you think of after I said that? Hold on. Before we get into that, though, <laughs> let's take a quick break for our sponsors. Black Velvet is proud to sponsor Creative Habits Podcast. Black Velvet is a Black-owned family business providing skincare products. Handmade, intentional, and designed to nurture the skin and body. Lather in luxury with our signature Black Velvet Shea Butter. Our base is raw shea infused with essential oils and vitamins to revive and enhance your natural skin's glow. We offer unisex options and a grooming kit to ensure quick and essential groom for daily application for any occasion or season. Try our Beard Gang Kit collection, perfect for a man on the go with notes of barbershop orange and essential oils to protect and nurture your beard growth. Visit us on Etsy at Shop Black Velvet or follow us on Instagram by Black Velvet. And we're back from our break. So, um, what was the question again? Yes, we talked about ontological expansiveness and now the white gaze. Do we use the white gaze as a form of empowerment subconsciously or to determine something, if it's worthy, wrong, or right to partake in? Subconsciously, at first, in the early, like, early 2000s, or even now, because we're waking up, but we're not all the way to our, like, final form, like, Pokemon. We're not at our final transformation yet. You know, mm -hmm. we're still, like, in between. So, we've been subliminally um, fed that white is right um, through all the media, through, you know, circumstances our people been through. You know, just the fact that we're speaking English now. It's a form of white gaze. It's a form of white gaze and white supremacy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I even think of like most recently, like the fact that we had the whole podcast about hair. Um, and now <laughs> every day at work, I wear a wig because the more invisible and less questions I get at work is easier for me to go about my day. Right. It's sad that I do that, but unfortunately, if I succumb to the white gaze, they leave me the fuck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, or the choice of clothing that I wear and think about, okay, 
is this too tight or you know mm-hmm. it's unfortunate and uncomfortable for me but unfortunately subconsciously that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable in that setting even though we do jump through these hurdles and bend over backwards to um i guess blend in sometimes it still feels like we're zoo animals you know i remember i went to um this training at this this job that i used to work and um this little white lady walked up to me and she said excuse me is your hair real i said yeah she reached out to touch it i said no nah, don't do that and um she was like what is it i said it's dreadlocks dreadlocks I'm like, yeah, you never heard of Bob Marley? You never heard of Rasta? She said, I thought that was just a, a a phase back then. Yeah, or somebody can consider you a, a huge drug addict. Right, <laughs> right. Or or sell drugs. Right, so, or yeah, can I buy some weed off you, bro? You know, I used to get that a lot. <laughs> a lot. People were like, Phil, what a weed at? What a butt at? Let me, you know what a weed at? I'm like, just... I mean, even though I did partake, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't dealing or selling that shit. You know what I mean? Anyway. Um, yeah, unfortunately, sometimes you have to. I mean, even even the subtle things, because I think that a lot of people believe if I save this money and send my child to a good private school and mm-hmm. get the best education and go to this good private school that's predominantly white in college they'll be successful successful in whose eyes and what does that mean and they'll still look at you like a nigga (laughs) but that's what i'm saying like successful in what connotation because i get that we live in a very i mean western society is what america is Mm -hmm. but how much of that are we subconsciously conforming to without questioning or without having a bother or say about why A lot of, I think we conform to a lot of stuff. We do. You know, not because we want to, or maybe some people are content with our situation, or maybe this is just certain people's reality. Maybe it's it's some people out there who believe everything the government says. Or no, I get that, but it's it's like okay, well, I'm not naming my child Oluwatoyin, but I'll name him John Smith. Because oleotoin is too difficult to pronounce. It's just like small things where it's like we don't question it or we like joke about it and make fun of it. But it's like that's kind of subconsciously making a decision based off of a white gaze. Mm. Even though like, you know, there's certain things where I'll never eat that. Like, what is that? Or I'll never eat, you know, foo-foo with my hands or what is, you know, like that video of the YouTube that like who told you that that was nasty (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like who made you feel like that was an issue or judging someone like i know before african clothing was a trend like people used to be made fun of like wearing Mm -hmm. those outfits but who made us think that you know who did it yeah anyway the man and the woman so we did talk about the different examples of the white gaze um the term 
white gaze I heard like for the first time from Toni Morrison mm. and she was um, basically advocating for black people to write from their own perspective and mm. not necessarily through the white gaze or like white a white what a white person would mainly deem as appropriate or like what they would view in their eyes mm. um, so I just wanted to read something about that hold on real quick though could that be involved in like religion too like white gays and religion give me an example like okay so no disrespect to anybody's religion or anything out like that but um king james version of the bible what was king james version of the bible a different version of the original text mm-hmm. he re- rewritten the the book rewrote the book and um took a lot of chapters out but king james was a white person so is that from a white perspective like are people getting religion from a white perspective information from a certain that's a good question a white gaze that's a good question it's just a, a side note i didn't i don't know no but you're right because even the oath that we say when we're in school mm-hmm. and we're holding our chest or our heart. Ha- heart, you know, with our hands, what are we saying? Mm-hmm. And from whose perspective is that language from? Mm-hmm. Not language in what we speak, but the meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. What is the context and who is it for? It's definitely not for us. So, Toni Morrison said, The little white man that sits on your shoulder and checks out everything you do or say, you sort of knock him off and you're free. That's kind of like a quote that she was saying, like, you know, don't worry about what they're going to say. Just write it from your perspective. Mm. That makes sense. That's basically what she did, right? Because she was a, a publisher. I Publisher think, first and then became an author. And she an didn't editor. really see any um I think a lot of the books There was about, no literature. A lot of the yeah. Literature about black people was written by white people. Yes. And so she basically was, you know, the godmother mm-hmm. <laughs> of bringing amazing authors of African descent into the mix and to have best-selling books. That were published. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know. It's quite interesting because High on the Hog that we were watching too about how language or just the foods that we were given at the time that were supposed to be the worst parts, mm-hmm. um, being something that ended up being something that we remix and made, you know, glamorous and amazing. The fact that we turned something into magic and now it's like the American staple soul food. There, anytime that something becomes a white gaze, it becomes popular or accepted. Um, Even the long nails, like, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know how many black women have been wearing long nails. I think for, you know centuries like even way before we came here or the fake bombs and fake right it's like there's certain things that we do but it's unacceptable but the moment that it becomes acceptable from that perspective 
it shifts them to being something that's acceptable. Hmm. Or if you have a friend that's advocating for your rights or, you know, (laughs) there's certain things that change the law because of a white person for the benefit of blackness. Hmm. Yeah. It's, It's just interesting, you know. It's interesting that, you know, American culture is black culture you know what i mean uh, it is but black history it's is not made like that american history it is but we have one month in february where we recognize or even asian americans in march mm, it's just funny like a lot of the a lot of the things we do even though we may not be aware of it is a reflection on how we used to move before the transatlantic slave trade you know with the bonnets head wraps you know maintaining our hair wearing these different hairstyles you know um the way we walk the way we have conversations with each other like a lot of the slang and the run-on sentences that black people in america you know in the quote-unquote ghettos or you know the urban areas stem from western africa the language you know you know how like he be going out you know just so that we saw on the netflix but when i was learning tree like the um akan language from ghana some things that you say are kind of backwards Mm -hmm. just like you would say it in english it trans like if we were to translate it in tree, it will probably be like the he'd be going thing. to the store. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just like different ways that things or phrases are put together, or even certain words that can mean a thousand different things. Yeah. Like one word can mean fifty different things yeah. depending on how you say it. Like most African languages, there's no he or she. Mm-hmm. So like it's they. So they were progressive, way progressive than we were ahead of the game. <laughs> there were no pronouns. There's right. whatever you are, come yeah, as you are. They are they are going. Progressive. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That kind of like as we were talking made me think about music and how a lot of music that is put out in that whole uproar of people like saying, you know, why are these songs being put out? about our people that's derogatory or discriminatory the same about the films that we sometimes watch which is always constantly of black people suffering Mm. is that for the white gays or is that for us i think it's for white people yeah it kind of reminds me of a story what is the story it's an old um western african story 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 (laughs) um there was this king and he had a daughter a very beautiful daughter right and she was beautiful had her hair and bantu knots and you know everybody wanted to marry this lady even the elements there was um a fire um element and a water element and the water element went up to her and was like yo you're beautiful i want to marry you um she was like um will you keep me cool during the hot days 
He was like, yeah. She was like, will you give me steam when I want to, you know, do a sauna, sauna day? He was like, yeah. And she was like, cool. Um, I'll go tell my dad I want to get married to you. And the next day, the fire element went to the dad. He was like, had smoke coming out of his nose, fire in his eyes. And he was like, yo, I'm going to marry your daughter. And the king was like, um, will you cook my daughter's food so she can eat it? And he was like, nah, I'm going to burn it. And he was like, um, will you keep my daughter warm when it's cold outside? He was like, I'll burn this whole shit down. And he was like, <laughs> this yeah. is the hoodest story I've ever heard. <laughs> this is modern day uh, story, but, um, no, I'm, I'll keep going. but the fire element had the king so scared, right? And he was like, all right. Whatever, I'm going to just give my daughter to you. All right. And the next day, the daughter and the king um, met up. And she was like, the king said, I found you a husband. And she, was, uh, the daughter was like, oh, I think I found myself a husband too. And he was like, the fire element. And then she was like, um, the water element. And it was like, what? What's going on? You already found a husband? Why didn't you tell me? And she said, you just want to marry me off? Why didn't you tell me? And then um, the daughter had her idea. And she was like, um, let's have both of them do something in order to win my love. And whatever they do, whoever wins, I will marry. And the king was like, all right. So the next day, the fire element and the water element show up to their house. I know it's a long story, but it's, it's a point to it. Show up to the house, and he was like, all right, we want to have a, a game. I want both of you guys to race, and whoever wins will get my daughter's hand in marriage. And it was like, cool. So the fire element was like, yeah, I'm going to win. Smoke coming out of his nose, and his eyes red, hot, flames. And the water element is just cool, just chilling, just looking around like, all right, let's do this. So... The fire element rushes off, burning everything in sight, trees, um, houses, everything. And he's running towards this tree, um, this finish line, and the water element's just chilling, looking at his nails, taking his time, and um, just like nonchalant. And the daughter's like, you're not going to run, you're not going to do this, you're not going to win my, my hand in marriage. And the the, um, the water element was like, no worry, don't worry. And the fire element was so close to reaching this point, so close to reaching the finish line. The water element just turned it on. Like he um, went to the sky and just started raining, just started raining, 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 and put the fire element out. And won the daughter's hand in marriage. You want to know what the moral of that story is? Tell me. No matter what life throws our way, we shall always have a plan. No matter what type of evilness and what type of wickedness and what type of um, 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 bad things that get thrown our way, we always have to stay calm and think about a plan. 
and then execute that plan. The fire thought he was going to win. He was close. He was burning shit down. He was doing everything. But the water element was like, yeah, okay. It's cool. Put the fire out. And the end of the story, he married He married her. That was a lovely story. Thank you. It took a yeah. long time to no, tell No, no, it was yeah. great. It was great. But, I, you know, going back to our conversation about signs, that's why I tell you the water put out the fire. I'm just saying. But <laughs> my whole point is, like, I understand marching and bringing up awareness and fighting back. Like, all that is cool. But what is the plan? But we have to have a legitimate plan to execute, you know, because a lot of these people who do these atrocities are self-destructive. You know what I mean? So what happens to the planners that keep getting killed off? Marcus Garvey, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, who else? The Everyone. guy that we watched. The well, Black Marcus Panther Garvey guy. didn't die. They just exiled him. But... um. Right, but that's the same thing. You just gonna take him out. <laughs> they lead by example, and we just follow. You know what I mean? Marcus so, Garvey. But that's the problem. Marcus Garvey had a plan oh, yeah. to, you know, you know the plan. All mm-hmm. everybody go back to Africa, and America was like, "Oh, we hate y'all niggas, but we need y'all niggas to work in these factories and these fields." Because America won't be able to run without y'all. You know what I mean? And then, you know, some more like, all right. So we take some of those elements from that. And we take some of the elements from Malcolm X. And we take some of the elements from um, MLK and um, Kwame. And Kruma. You know what I mean? And they only do kill our leaders because they fear them you know what i mean they fear the reaction they fear yes I what get we that. would do but that shouldn't be able to deter us just like the water element was cool the fire was burning everything down houses villages trees everything but the water element was like okay i see but i got something for you yeah that's dope that is pretty dope so basically what are you saying I'm saying people do whatever the hell you want as long as you're not interfering with other people's lives if you want to go out up to work with if yeah (laughs) if you want to go out in a bonnet bantu knots um whatever you want to wear whatever just as long as it's not interfering or bringing harm to anybody do what you want to do man I think we can conclude there yeah, I think we can too. Thank you for tuning in into today's episode of Creative Habits Podcast. I have your quote of the day. If you don't design your life plan, chances are you'll fall into someone else's plan. And guess what they have planned for you? Not much. Jim Ron. Have a good one, people. Peace. <laughs>